Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Just like that, the second hour is here. OutKick 360 Monday. Hutton Withrow with you. Jim Maggie's the executive director of the Senior Bowl. He will join us in a matter of minutes. Looking forward to that chat. Talk quarterbacks who are participating, quarterbacks who are not. Justin Bennett's not there. Hendon Hooker is going through the interview process. And tweets that will fill your timeline this week that we will just put to rest immediately with Jim Nagy. Looking forward to that uh, coming up in a, a couple of minutes. Chad, one of the biggest surprises to me, and I, maybe I shouldn't be surprised, was the player reaction to the arrowhead trash talk on the Kansas City side of things. How much did we hear arrowhead isn't to be messed with? This is our home stadium. Not I mean it, it sounds elementary really, but you know in a NFL world where the fans care way much more than the players do about wins and losses. The way that they reacted immediately after the game was more than just Joe Burrow isn't the best. Patrick Mahomes is. Our quarterback on one leg is better than yours. It was more about a slap in the face to the city and the fan base, and Kelsey and others took that personally. I was was surprised at how quickly they went to that instead of just going through the motions of a celebration with the trophy. Speaking of Travis Kelsey, uh, during the post-game interview on CBS last night, or uh, uh, yeah, the post-game interview, uh, he jumped in and had this to say about Burrowhead. Whoa! Burrowhead my ass! Whoa! It's Mahomes' house! Not only that, but it's he, Mahomes house. he then, in the trophy presentation, becomes the rock from WWE and calls out the mayor calls him a jabroni and starts pointing to the fact that, you know, this is Arrowhead and begins to sing. Uh, it, it is, you would have thought they had, they had just beaten, um, it felt like an underdog won the game. You know what I mean? They, it, it, the Chiefs, uh, to me, have never felt like that so, with how they've played. Look, what I love it. Whatever it takes. Oh, me too. Whatever it takes. And I, I love this. Anytime a player acts like a fan in that regard, and truly feels like they got upset about something right. that just mocked their home or their stadium or whatever it is, I'm always going to appreciate that because we're all sports fans. We all watch for the same reason because deep down we're fans of something, whether it be an individual team or watching the games themselves. So when players behave with that mentality, I'm typically a fan of it. Uh, what jumped out to me was just the level of this was the game plan. Mm-hmm. Like, all week, it was, oh, Burrowhead, huh? Oh, this cool Macaulay Culkin-looking dude smoking a cigar, and he's Joe Cool, and our guy's not as good. 
Uh, that really fueled that team. Even Patrick Mahomes taking a shot at, I don't know that I have a cigar to celebrate this, but I'm going to do my best to celebrate it. There's a lot of animosity out there about Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Good on Joe Burrow and the Bengals because that is a team that has gotten under the skin yeah. of the rest of the NFL, certainly did so for the Chiefs. So I love that part of it. Let me also say, you won by a last-second field goal because of a late hit out of bounds or that game's going to overtime. It's not as if they just rolled in and you wrecked well, them in that game. I mean, it's, 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 this it's is, a huge accomplishment, don't get me wrong, but I think those WWE-type promos pay off more if you just shocked the world and blew them out at home in that game. That was not the case. It's another game decided by a field goal. So I say that, Hutton, to say, game on on this rivalry. This is now the best rivalry in the NFL, these two teams. It is on now. Now that Mahomes, it sounds weird to say, but that Mahomes finally beat Joe Burrow in this matchup and the Chiefs advanced the Super Bowl, it is game on for the best rivalry in the NFL currently. Well, and also keep – this was more than just this week. You know, with the mayor saying Burrowhead and, uh, you know, pointing to another Super Bowl run, which was idiotic because, again, it's – easy trash talk that today's player is going to use as much as they can to their own advantage if the team's good enough. Casey definitely is. This was the last three matchups rolled into one for Kansas City. The fact that, okay, we've lost the last three. One of them was a year ago in the AFC Championship game where we were up double digits. Burrow and and company came back to win that game on the last second field goal. The three times in the last full calendar year that played a factor in the reaction post game. I loved it. I'm, I'm not saying I, I, I was you know disgusted by it. I loved it. I was just surprised by it with the way uh, it, you know, more than more than Kelsey came to the defense of Mahomes. Is that you know it, don't you know don't talk bad on it. Don't don't put this on. It, it's still Mahomes' league, or you know this is he's still the top QB. This was a chip on the shoulder for a team that is already in the dynasty category, if you really think about it, uh, going yeah. to their third Super Bowl in four years and a, a chance for Mahomes to, um, I mean, he's already the Pro Football Hall of Famer, but to be up there with just the top top guys that we're, ta- we're thinking of with multiple Super Bowl wins, you get where I'm going here. Traditionally, it's tough to buy into, oh, they're the underdog. Well, guess what? They're the underdog today in Vegas, to Philadelphia with a team that was put together and they've been remarkable, but the team with the veteran leadership, the veteran coaches, a defensive coordinator that is a big game game planner, and oh, by the way, Mahomes, who's going to play through a high ankle sprain and play well, uh, he accounted for all but, what, 20 yards in this game, running and passing. I, I just think it's a rare moment where we see a top team point to the fact that they almost acted like they were the Bengals of last year. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? That's, that's not a bad thing for them. And, and, and that's the way they probably viewed it. Hey, we have lost three in a row to this guy. Chris Jones even said post-game, hey, it wasn't a rivalry until we just won. They won all three. It's not a rivalry. We, we couldn't beat them. 
until this past game. And we changed that, and now it's a rivalry between the two teams. So they definitely went into that game thinking like, boy, everybody thinks we're little brother. Yeah. We better prove them wrong. It was a brilliant way to approach the game for the Chiefs. Maybe it's because I've done some sideline reporting also. I get very uncomfortable when the players come in and start to say something to the camera or start yelling at the player being interviewed. during the inter- There's something about it. I love it. When it turns out it's okay, but there was another player who came up to Mahomes first yeah. and was yelling and saying something. Then Kelsey did what he did. I, to me, it's almost uncomfortable for the player being interviewed that's just trying to do the interview <laughs> when he's having to greet everyone coming up to him you know, on camera during the interview. But it was, it was a fun, uh, spontaneous moment. I think for the broadcast I mean, and for that team, but also like the the other tie-ins here. Andy Reid gets on mic on the stage and says, "Philly, we're coming." Former Philadelphia Eagles head coach Andy Reid, who you know they put on this you know uh, the free agent market for head coaches, is now going against his former team. You have the Kelsey brothers matching up. The first time two brothers have matched up in a Super Bowl. Mahomes against Hurts. In a prove-it year where Hertz is trying to prove that he can get Mahomes-like money, it's uh, the storylines write themselves in the league. This is a Super Bowl where you don't have to manufacture things. It's going to be a layup in terms of reasons to watch. Mahomes is also now uh, just one of one in terms of category and, and what he's done this quickly in his career. Five straight times he hosted the AFC Championship game. Now going to a third Super Bowl, He's trying to win the second. Youngest ever to win 10 postseason games. Well, everything. Insta- that, that, takes, that's, that takes a while. And we're He's talking, done it already. He's, he's got the one Super Bowl, so you know that's going to eventually tick up also. And he's got a chance in two weeks to, to get a second. But not just crazy statistics with passing. It, it's all of this winning. And hosting that many championship games. I mean, hosting five straight championship games as a quarterback at, in your 27 yeah. is remarkable. So in for, an for era them now to behave where it's, it's not way, crazy to think that he's playing until he's 40. You uh, know? At least. But for them, them to act that way after that game, I think it shows you, even with the outward facade of getting ready for an opponent during the week, that was a lot of pent-up frustration about hearing way too much about Joe Burrow and that Cincinnati team, and mm-hmm. how they were clutch, and the Chiefs weren't, that built up over the course of the week, and you saw it overflow after that game. I, I loved it. I loved every bit of it, and um, I, I know this about Joe Burrow. He's going to be ready the next time those two play. That's right. Th- this is not a personality that's going to just wilt because Travis Kelsey said bad things about his city's mayor. He's going to come back ready to go, and he's going to be pissed off for greatness the next time these these two teams play. And I'm telling you, we have now set up, this is Brady Manning now moving forward with these two quarterbacks and these two teams leading to some epic matchups. I'm, I'm here for it. I'm excited. Hit us up on social at Outkick360. Ace on our YouTube chat says, Josh Allen is going to have something to say about this too when I'm talking about this quarterback matchup and these two teams being the best rivalry. Maybe, but let me say this right now about Josh Allen. He is a distant third between these two guys. I don't know if it's distant. I I, I think it is. I don't, I don't until know. he does more in the playoffs, until he gets to a Super Bowl. I mean, we're, until until he I mean, he had that game a year ago where he gets a lot of the benefit of the doubt because of the coin toss, not winning it because he was great in that game at Arrowhead. But I, I think right now it is we had Burrow then Mahomes. 
however you want to order it, and most would probably put Mahomes, Burrow, I think there's separation between those two and the rest of the pack. I don't know, man. I, I don't think Josh Allen last, last year in the postseason is giving the ball back the way since he gave the ball back. He also had a better O-line, though. <laughs> Yesterday was crazy. That was not uh, ideal protection for Joe Burrow. Let's, uh, let's head down to Mobile, shall we? Jim Nagy joins us. He is the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, and he joins us uh, the calm before the storm, uh, where practices start tomorrow. <laughs> Plenty of storylines. And uh, Jim, first off, thank you for the time, man. Hope things are well. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's great. I, I said last year, I, I thought, and this has been going on for a couple years now, that we have seen a swing in terms of GMs and scouts who point to this week as a big determining factor on draft weekend for why or why not they don't go a certain way on that Thursday, Friday, Saturday. When have you seen the shift in how teams approach this week compared to the combine? Uh, I'll just bring it back to my experience in the league. This is year five for me here at the Senior Bowl, 18 years before this in the NFL. And uh, looking back, you always try to self-scout yourself and self-scout your team and why you made mistakes, why teams made mistakes. And I always felt like we put way too much emphasis on what the guys did in shorts and t-shirts are the guys we quote unquote missed on. Right. Um, I told the guys last night at orientation, this is your last time, last opportunity to play football. Um, the rest of the process is to me kind of nonsense. Um, it's become entertainment. You know, we all love the combine. We love watching the forties and all that. Um, but this is real football. This is, you can see him compete. Again, what, what the separator is for, for a lot of our guys, they've had scouts come through their school all year. And I, I'm not trying to demean scouts because that's what I was for a long, long time. Um, but when these GMs and these head coaches get to get down and see it themselves firsthand um, for themselves and not just hearing about it, seeing it, um, that's where these guys can really help themselves. So I mentioned before you joined us that you were going to give a public service announcement for fans when they see tweets about teams <laughs> meeting with players in Mobile. I'll let you say it, but I, I think it's it's good advice for the clickbait and the the tweet bait that's going to happen from reporters this week. Yeah, it's uh, I could say this: all 125 players are going to meet with all 32 teams while they're in Mobile. Sometimes as many as three or four times. We've got five different interview blocks. Um, so if a team does their homework right and they really want to meet with a certain player. They can leave here with meet, meet with the guy three or four times. So, yeah, a lot of clickbait out there. A lot of sources say um, this guy met with this team. And, uh, man, it's so it's such garbage. If you, if you say right now, you know, spoke to an NFL source or an NFL scout, like that stuff is – I mean, everyone hit, everyone likes it, right? Um, oh, no I try doubt. to stay away from, I, I try to stay away from that stuff. So I just put it out there. I just – it wears me out to see that so-and-so met with such-and-such -such team. Well, of course, all 32 teams are going to meet with every kid on the roster. Chad, we should send out a tweet. It's a uh, great PSA that from Jim. All players it's, will meet with every team per source. I can also guarantee you that it will not <laughs> right. stop reporters from posting right. little two-paragraph stories oh, exactly. about a player at the Senior Bowl meeting with the team they cover. <laughs> so that you're going to get tidbits like that constantly because they need material uh, during this this period of time where everybody's getting ready for the draft. So, Jim, if you can, walk us through the invite process for a Senior Bowl invite and how maybe informal conversations can happen throughout that process and specifically how that pertains to, to Stetson Bennett not being a part of the Senior Bowl this week. 
Well, that's to me, that's two different questions, but I'll try not to be long winded on the first part, the process part. It, it's really a year round deal. We'll get done with this year's game. It's a it's a it's a really taxing week on our staff um, to throw something this big. Uh, so we, we take a couple weeks off. We'll come back in the middle of February and uh, our scouting assistants have already started watching tape on 2024. So they're already building next year's board out. Um, but then we'll all come back in. Um, get cranking on it. I really won't move on in the next year until we get through this year's draft, but we'll go all summer and all fall uh, watching tape, going to games. We, you know, that was the goal when we got here five years ago is to build a real football operation, which we've done. I mean, we had nine former NFL scouts on our staff this year, hundred and some, 170 some years of experience on the staff. And we'll get, we'll get to like the beginning of November where we feel good about our grades and where we've got the board set. And then the last part of that is, is roping in the NFL um, and, and 20 years of relationships in the league and getting on the phone with personnel directors and GMs that, you know, are willing to share grades and kind of go position by position. And, and we just, you know, for instance, like the quarterback, okay, here's the four guys we like. We, we're locked in on these four. Um, I mean, we got two spots open. Here's a couple guys we like. Who do you guys like? And we have good back and forth. And again, no ego in it because these rosters aren't for us. It's for it's for the 32 GMs in the, in the scouting department. So, we'll, you know, we'll use that feedback and then we get the, we rip the invites out uh, beginning of November. So in regards to Stetson Bennett, did he ever have an opportunity to take part in the event? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we reached out. We, you know, I never officially sent anything because at this point you're sending a text, basically. Um, there's like a little web link that we sent him and they sign up. Uh, but yeah, I was working through it with Stetson's people, and uh, I thought this game made a ton of sense for him. And what he did in Athens was incredible. Um, but you know, Stetson Bennett, with his chip on his shoulder, is a different quarterback than he's going to want to be in the NFL. Like the NFL wants a backup that's dependable, stable, reliable, supportive of the starter. You know, low ego. Um, and this was an opportunity for Stetson to turn the page. Had a great, great college career. Won a couple net, but that's in the past now. He's got to look forward to what he's going to do in the pro career. Um, he had an opportunity to come here and be on a team with Luke Getze, who's the offensive coordinator of the Chicago Bears, on a team that you know has a, a murky backup quarterback situation. And he could have, you know, he could have really helped himself down here, and he chose not to. And I, I hate to see what happened. You know, I, I hate, to, I hate to see what happened. Uh, my phone was lighting up the other day, and, and obviously he's not in a great place because that stuff doesn't happen if you are. Um, you shouldn't opt out of the senior bowl and then have that happen like the day of arrival. If, if he just comes to Mobile, then he doesn't get in that trouble. But really, I'm worried. You know, I'm I'm kind of I'm concerned that, that Stetson's in a great spot um, because he did. He had a great he had a great college career. Jim Nagy joins us, the executive director of the the Reese's Senior Bowl. I clarify something for me because Hendon Hooker's there. He's injured, so he's not participating in the in the week of practices, but he can meet with teams. So what's the protocol for a quarterback like Hendon Hooker being there versus Stetson not choosing not to be there and meet with teams? If you get where I'm going here. I, when I heard he wasn't participating in the game, I'm thinking, well, surely if he's invited, he'll go and participate in interviews. But that's not the case. Yeah, it's, it's a total one-off deal. Um, it's, not, it's not good business for us to like bring a guy down that's injured. Uh, you know, the year of COVID, we kind of went – Year of COVID was different. You know, we were the only thing that happened that year in the draft process. No combine, no other all-star games. Uh, you know, we stuck our necks on the line and, and bubbled this thing and tested everyone every day and yeah. spent $600,000 in COVID costs to have the game. Um, you know, and we had Devontae Smith in the game, Landon Dickerson in the game, guys that were committed since the beginning of November. And then subsequently they got hurt in the college football playoff and, and couldn't come compete. But in a year where there was nothing else in the draft process, um, I just felt it was the right thing to do to bring those guys, let them connect with the teams face to face, 
Um, and that was their only shot. Well, fast forward the next year, and there were agents wanting, wanted me to bring injured players down yeah. to the game. And we're like, no, we're not about that. But in this case, at the quarterback position where classroom time is so valuable, interview time is so valuable. And for a guy like Hendon, that really was one of the faces of college football this year, he, he really earned the odd opportunity. Um, so for him to come down and go through the week, he's going to stay through Friday. Um, and just be in the room and, and get these get these face to face meetings with teams. Um, again, one off thing, but I was just trying to do the right thing by Hendon. So that's your call. Are you, you're certainly getting feedback though from the league on what who who guys want to talk with? I'm assuming, or am I not? Am I way off base on this? Yeah, no. I mean, Hendon's a guy that he started the year. We had him in like the fourth round area, along with Bo Nix. Really, the two guys for us that were had day three grades coming into the year that that ascended. And, and finished the year for us, for our staff in that in that day two area was Hendon and Bo Nix. Um, and that's that's really was the consensus of the league as well. Most of those, you know, those guys were like twos and threes, but mostly threes on both of them. Um, so, yeah, why wouldn't we bring a guy that most of the league had, you know, late two late day two grades on um, that really deserves this opportunity, earn this opportunity? Jim, uh, over the years, um, who's made the biggest jump this week? And for what they turned into or the rookie season they had or the biggest jump in the perception of the player versus when you brought them in? Uh, one that comes to mind stemming off last night, Jalen Hurts. You know, you, you rewind three years ago. Jalen was a fourth or fifth round pick consensus in the league. Um, I think we did our calls that year with 16 or 17 teams. Um, nobody had Jalen a day two grade. He had a great week here. He really threw it well at the combine, too. I, I sat in the end zone in Indy that year and watched him throw from behind like I, I like to do with quarterbacks, had a great throwing session there. Um, and they're going in the second round, which is a nice two or three round jump. And then now in hindsight, look at it, he should have been a top five pick. But but there's, a, you know, usually the guys that make the biggest jumps are the small school guys. You know, a year ago at this time, Cole Strange from Tennessee Chattanooga uh, was, a, was a fifth round pick for most teams, fourth, fifth round, but mostly fifth. And he had a great week here and, and fought his butt off and competed against the big boys. And and I'm going 29 overall to, to New England. So, I mean, he made millions and millions of dollars. So, um, usually those small school guys. But a guy like Terry McLaurin from Ohio State came down here as a fifth or sixth round pick a couple years ago and got all the way up to the third round. So, uh, for a big school guy, three round, two, three rounds, that's a really big jump. Uh, final thing for you. Um, well, two things first. First, uh, the, the deepest position in terms of quality of player this year is where and why. For our game, I'd say running back. Um, you know, there's only eight of them, but but that's really a tough spot for for the Senior Bowl to get. You know, really top tier NFL backs. We've had some good ones. Tony Pollard from Memphis made the Pro Bowl this year for Dallas. You know, he was in the game a few years ago. I think we had four thousand yard rushers in the last in the last four years since since we got to the game. Um, but but this year's group of Kenny McIntosh from Georgia, Chase Brown from Illinois, Tajay Spears from from uh, Tulane, I and mean, that's a really talented group. I mean, I think there's going to be three or four NFL starters out of that group, and the rest of them all really good, really good complementary backs. So, uh, again, tough position for us uh, historically, but really like this year's group. And, and in terms of job interviews for your staff, if they come in and say Reese's instead of Reese's, is it an automatic <laughs> crumble it up, throw it away? <laughs> I learned this right away when I got the job with the title sponsor. It's not Reese's Pieces; it's Reese's Pieces. So that's kind of how I. That's kind of how I. Chad has. You, Chad has gone on this. I have, I have just crushed people over there, and you hit it right, Jim. It's not just Reese's. People like to say Reese's Pieces. <laughs> 
And I'm thinking, you know, you don't want to rhyme a candy with feces. Uh, that's not, that's not the, the mental image you want. It's Reese's Pieces. Pieces is not a word. I don't. I have no, no idea why they even take it that far. Yeah. Don't double down on it. Don't double down on a on a bad I mean, on a bad pronunciation. Yeah. Well, we just want to clarify. It is Reese's Pieces for those that get confused by it. Reese's Pieces. That's it. Jim, do you do you miss scouting like in the 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 nuts and bolts of it, or is this giving you the fix that you need? No, because that's all I do. I yeah. mean, I do more. I do more now. You do more. Uh, yeah. You know, running running a business, but. Uh, but no, I, I still get that fix. And for me, I could have easily just went along with the way this, you know, things have gone on the all-star circuit where, you know, and just sat in this chair and watched tape by myself and picked players. But that's not fun to me. Uh, you know, I wanted this to be a real collaborative process. That's why we, we built out the operation like, you know, we spoke about at the beginning of the segment here. Um, it's a lot of fun, you know, to have guys and feel a connectedness and, and debate players and um, that's what I love. That that's that's my passion. So again, this has been a good job because I've been able to grow a little bit personally, um, and I'm around great people. But yeah, the football side of it, I get I get plenty of fix. I'm out at games every Saturday in the fall, um, and I just love being around a staff. So I do miss I do miss draft time. You know, like this is fun watching where our guys go and get drafted. We've had drafted. We've had over forty percent of the last two NFL drafts in our game. 106 players each of the last two years. But but being a part of it and those lead up those April meetings leading into the draft and um, you know, sitting, sitting collectively with a bunch of guys. And then that night after the draft, knowing that you picked hopefully six or seven guys that help you get to a Super Bowl the next year, there's, there's nothing that can, can replace that. I wonder too, Chad, like we've seen, of course, Super Bowl radio row combine has really grown over the last 15 yeah. years. I wonder if we eventually have a pack radio row at a senior bowl. I don't know if, I don't know if we'll get there in the next decade or so, but if, if we, uh, if we do have that option, Jim, you got to have us down. I think it's well, growing. we're getting, we're getting there. So, you know, a couple of years ago, we only had like three local radio stations down here. This year, we have 16 with with the, the awesome. good national presence. So you guys got to make it down some here. We, we would love that, man. We, hey, we need to have you back on the show, too. We appreciate the time today uh, and the insight on everything going on this week. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate yeah, it. There's Jim Nagy, thanks, the executive Jim. director of the Reese's uh, Senior Bowl. Uh, great visit there. Great perspective on Bennett, Hendon Hooker with the exemption, which is something he's not going to hand out again anytime soon, it doesn't sound like. And the interview process. All 125 players will meet with every team across the league, Jeff. Yeah, I think the big takeaway there is going to be Stetson Bennett. Um, you know, he went into in depth about this guy's probably a backup quarterback in the league and the qualities that NFL teams want from a backup quarterback, reliable, dependable, a lack of ego in the locker room. And he had a chance to prove to NFL teams that he could do that and that's strike one uh, against mm -hmm. uh, Stetson Bennett. He chose not to go and instead got arrested for public intoxication in Dallas over this time. And he talked about his chip on the shoulder. That served Stetson Bennett well it throughout has. his career. There's no yeah. doubt about it. But, I mean, there comes a time where you got to show you can do anything. Tim Tebow had to swallow this at some point, right, where he said, you know, I, I want to be a quarterback, but I'm willing to do anything to keep playing the game even if that means being a backup quarterback or a wildcat option or playing tight end mm -hmm. or different things. I'm not saying Stetson Bennett's going to change positions, but if everyone is saying you're a backup quarterback in the league, maybe you got to start out by being a backup quarterback in the league and then prove people wrong again well, and go win a starting job. A year ago, though, we weren't even talking about him being a backup no. in the league. Coming up, more Super Bowl storylines as the Eagles will face the Chiefs. That's next on Outkick 360. Coming up.
You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Up in just under an hour, we'll try to explain the history of the NFL doing away with the emergency quarterback situation for rosters on game day why that came about and why it's about to return at least in my opinion and it has it it's affected by yesterday's issue but it's more than that that's coming up in about an hour chad uh just recapping some of the conference championship games uh, the two conference championship games uh, philadelphia you're you're right the path to the super bowl has been laid out perfectly on a red carpet for them Credit them for taking advantage. They have not looked rusty, right? Like no. that, that's the thing. They went through the Giants, who they're facing for the third time in the season, which is always difficult. And they went through the NFL's top defense yesterday. And, at, and while Philly wasn't great yesterday on a stat sheet, I think they averaged, what, less than four yards per play total. The, the way that they have gone about these two matchups tells me that they should be for the most part, firing on all cylinders. And if they're not, they're deep enough at every position to, to not just compete, but win the Super Bowl even on a bad day. Kansas City's the same way because they have had more role players step up this year than I can remember in a long time. Well, the Eagles talked about the lack of rustiness. I mean, they're up 14 nothing on the Giants in their first playoff game, and it was over at that point. When Brock Purdy went down, I know the 49ers scored to make it 7-7, on a great run from Christian McCaffrey, that game was over. Hassan Reddick was terrific, and he's been great all year for the Eagles defensively. And the way they can play you with their two corners, Bradbury and Slay, with the Eagles, mm-hmm. great cornerback play. Um, there's just – you go back to that Super Bowl team five years ago. This is their second Super mm-hmm. Bowl trip in five years. This team, to me, has far fewer weaknesses – yeah, uh, I, I can't. It's tough to just pinpoint a. Well, if they get this right, then it'll be okay. I mean, even looking at the Chiefs now with all the injuries at receiver going into this mm-hmm. game and already losing Tyree Kill from the previous team, that's the one. Well, where you say, well, Mahomes is great. Are they going to have enough help at receiver? I look across the board with Philly and the way that roster is built, Hutton. I can't find a big glaring weakness with that team right now to that you can just pinpoint and say, you must attack this to beat the Eagles. The bottom line to beating the Eagles, the Chiefs will have to play their best game of the year in order to win this game. That That's what it's going to take to beat this team. They're they're fully capable of rushing the passer. Well, I know Philly is. Kansas City proved that yesterday. They are. Um, they're going against, if not the best, the second best offensive line in the NFL. Some would point to Detroit being the number one offensive line. But... Philly's excellent in this regard. The, the thing is, this is not just a special run. The, the 2017 for Philly was a special run. This is a special season. And in, in a weird way, you know, they, th- that was the year that Philly got off the bus, off the plane, and they were wearing the, the dog masks for the underdog role with Chris Long and all them. Yep. And 
in a weird way, it feels like Kansas City is about to do the same thing. They're going to play that underdog role up because right now you can. I mean, right now it's Eagles favored by a point and a half. I think the betting. Opened it too. I think the betting public will eventually have that game go up. I think Philly by the end, people will be convinced that Philly's offense is just too good for KC to slow down, and their defense is going to give Mahomes fits something that Cincinnati could not do in this matchup. I think this is going to be a really good game. And traditionally, the Super Bowl is a slow starting game, right? There's yeah. a feeling out process. And then you see the you also role. have the week in between now the, the two week weeks in between, off yeah yeah which is going to really help KC and the the wide receiver issues it's also should help I would think Patrick Mahomes who yeah. by the way looked terrific to have suffered that injury the week before there was not Did, I mean you could tell especially when he was walking to and from the huddle at times or oh, to or to move around yeah you could see him favoring and limping on that leg but once the ball was snapped. I was looking for big moments of, oh, man, now that's where he's playing off one one leg. The only times I could really tell was when he just had to totally arm blast the thing, where you could just see it was all a couple arm. Of times. Yeah. He couldn't set up his legs. He completed some passes doing that too. But where he was really having to use his arm and arm strength more than, than planting his feet. But other than that, to make that play on the nine-yard run that became a 24-yard play because the 15-yard personal foul – at the end of it, that set up the Butker field goal to win it, that that's going to go down as one of the legendary Mahomes plays because he did that on one leg. He did not want to run way, in that game, and he was able to pick up a first down. And the way he took with off, his legs, you couldn't even tell he was hurt he, at the time. He had the ability to block it completely out now and just go see red and go get the first down on that one where he ran through the pain. This uh, the the vice president of sports medicine and performance for the Chiefs. Uh, tweeted out, this is a cool thing, uh, They th- he tweeted out a photo of a woman named Julie Freimeyer holding the AFC Championship trophy. And she's in Chiefs gear, and I'm like, okay, well, I-, I thought it was a fan. I really did. The tweet goes, thanks for the support, and if you love the way Patrick played, then love this person, Julie Freimeyer. She designed and executed the rehab last week. And... I mean, she's going to be known uh, in many households in Kansas City uh, based on the performance of the quarterback in a crucial week going against the team that's won three straight against them in Cincinnati. I would love to – and maybe we get um, uh, pro football doc on, Dr. Dr. Chow, to talk about mm-hmm. this with us because two weeks now to get ready. Do you just put that thing up in the air <laughs> for the next two or three days knowing it's going to swell up, knowing there's going to be pain – and do nothing on it, or do you go see Julie Freimeyer, I think you said her name was, mm-hmm. and you immediately get back to whatever routine they were doing for the next two weeks, knowing that practices will eventually be a part of it, and the dude did not miss one rep in practice on that ankle. I, I yeah, mean, that's... the toughness of Patrick Mahomes cannot be overstated on this one because that is a lot of pain he's having to deal with over the course of the week and during the game. And we said that. And I week, loved his response of, I was tired of answering the question, uh, how are you doing? Because it didn't matter. I was going to play no matter what. So his thinking is, I'm not doing well, but stop asking because I'm going to have to push through it and get through it to play in the game. Like My saving. mind is made up. We're playing the game no matter what. Stop, stop asking, asking me how I feel. Uh, the, I'm not going to answer, so stop asking. <laughs> you, knew, you knew, though, on Wednesday when he was practicing last week that he was going to be fine. Like, he, he was setting, it was setting up for this. It wasn't. It was a painful second half for him. 
you got the sense Mahomes was going to have a Mahomes-like performance. But Cincinnati was capable of still continuing to win in this series. And Mahomes, again, had the ball last, and he plays winning football. When he's got possession late, you know he's going to go down and get points. The other thing, a couple of unsung heroes in this game. Um, Isaiah Pacheco. He's good. Outstanding. Um, just dual threat and gives them a sense of a run, um, even though they didn't run it well against Cincinnati. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I think, especially with the injury issues, the big catches he came up with, not just the touchdowns, but the big grabs on the other end, other than Kelsey, he is one of the, the winning role players for Kansas City that you can point to. And then one of the finalists for Defensive Player of the Year, Chris Jones. Mentioned last week, can he crush and collapse the inside pocket for Burrow and get him on the move? The answer is yes. And it wasn't just Jones, but in the biggest play, his second sack of the game on third down gets to Burrow and forces the punt that ultimately leads to a great return. We have the Mahomes run, the personal foul on Osai, and the kick by Bucker for the win. I also thought a lot of this, I thought the KC offensive line was terrific, but they also were not dealing with a heavy rush most of the game. Yeah, Lou Anarumo has has this method with Patrick Mahomes. It's actually proven to be pretty effective where you just drop eight yeah, you and don't play coverage because the Titans would do against he's much better when he gets blitzed yeah. and is making a quick decision. When when you play drop guys in the coverage, it's more effective uh, when that happens. Did it again, but I thought the, the Chiefs offensive line still held up well. And did a good job where he wasn't – the fact he wasn't knocked out of this game, given the injury he was dealing with coming in, that's credit to the Chiefs' offensive line. Uh, and just while you're saying knocked out of the game, I'm thinking the fact that Nick Bosa wasn't knocked out of that game earlier, where he's on the sideline on a punt return, <laughs> he gets, and he gets cleated and slashed on his leg. The following series, he's rolled up on that same leg, and he's limping around. I'm thinking, man, they, if Bosa goes out right after Purdy goes out, like, wrap it up. I thought the, the 49ers defense was capable of getting turnovers. They didn't uh, in this game. Uh, big ones that flipped the script. And the rest is history, 31-7. to seven. But Did, Bosa, man, he was... I mean, I've never seen anything like that. Where he's slashed by the cleat. Great, great performance by that Bosa. Did you see the brother Bosa, Joey Bosa, walking no. into the stadium with 49ers gear on? No. Getting heckled by Eagles fans? <laughs> It's it's terrific. He's getting. I mean, there's just a group of Eagles fans. I love that talking trash and hey Joey, where where are the Chargers playing this week? Why why aren't you with the Chargers right now? Why are you guys not playing? And Joey Bosa took the bait and does, oh, does not look great <laughs> in it because he's he says something about um, I can't even say one thing that he said because who knows? But in today's climate, uh, okay. if it'd be okay. But he's talking about oh, you're gonna Snapchat me, huh? Because they got their phones out doing the oh, video. Yeah. Here's a word for, for Joey Bosa. I, I'm sure he had a few pops in the tailgate before going into the game. That's one where you probably just say, all right, guys, have a good one. Like, you got to understand you're the celebrity in that moment. Have fun, Eagles fans. Have fun. I'm here supporting my brother. And just keep walking. But he kept going back to the crowd of Eagles fans. And those Eagles fans got exactly what they wanted out of him, was for him to talk back and start talking trash to them. Eagles fans, by the way, are relentless the videos that are out there, there's stories up on OutKick of them just marching out of the stadium, surrounding 49ers fans, taunting them, is something else. I don't know whether to respect it or hate it. 
given that you're doing that to a team and a fan base that just watched every, not just one, every quarterback on their roster go down to where at the end of the game, George Kittle's having to answer questions about not having a functional quarterback in the game to throw the ball to him. Eagles fans don't care, though. They do not care. If you have to grease the light poles in your city for an NFC Championship game five years after you won the Super Bowl, solid uh, solid reaction and response from a fan base that you're expecting on behalf of the uh, the police precinct there. And they did that. Bradley Cooper was fired up, too. Showed him Bradley the Cooper, during the game. Um, Rob McElhaney of one of yes. my favorite shows, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He yes. was at the game. Um, a couple of other celebrities that were really interesting. Was Kevin Hart there? I didn't see Kevin. Remember, Hart. he was all over the sideline yeah, right. when they won. Oh yeah, tried to get into the. Yeah, the, he got like shooed away because he was on the <laughs> the podium. Mike Trout, Mike Trout's who I was oh. thinking of. He was shown, uh, massive Eagles fan. Mike Trout. Mike Trout's going to be your next Philadelphia Philly probably with the way they're spending. And anything to get away from the Angels. And think about that, the the string of success that we where success comes in big spurts for cities. Philadelphia with the Phillies making the World Series. You have, of course, the Eagles now back to the Super Bowl. For years, it was Boston. Tampa has certainly seen it with the Lightning and with the Bucks. Uh, the Rays have been playing well. Um, yeah, I mean, there's the Dodgers and the Rams. Right? There's always an example of, of a franchise that can point. Cincinnati even, last year, with the college and their pro team. Yeah. It's uh, it is well. It, we, we saw it, you know, the 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 golden era of Boston, yeah, starting in '04 with the Red Sox is the one that really spurned a lot of success. But it is crazy how it's cyclical with these towns. Coming up, uh, we discussed this late last week that Marcus Stokes, the four-star quarterback, who mentioned a racial slur on social media, was let out of his uh, scholarship offer by Florida. He was offered a scholarship and accepted it from Albany State, but that has been rescinded as well. Details on this story next on OutKick 360. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So Marcus Stokes, the quarterback from Nice in Florida, has had another offer rescinded, this most recently in a matter of days, hours, by Albany State and head coach Quinn Gray, former Jacksonville Jaguars backup turned starter for a short time. He's the head coach at Albany State and uh, at the HBCU program. Extended the offer to Stokes, who had posted uh, a video of himself singing lyrics using the uh, re- using a racial slur. And they've since uh, Gray then apologized for extending this offer Stokes' way and says he needs to do better in representing the school. When we were setting this up last week, Chad, I'm thinking this is, you want to talk about a reclamation project. Um, the fact that Stokes is willing to go there and the fact that they were willing to offer him, I thought was uh, a great process that should be commended. And instead, over the weekend, it 
turns into yet again um, the reaction causing another reaction this time with Stokes again having an offer rescinded. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, y- you had to know. Yeah. You can't just p- claim, oh, I didn't know the whole controversy. I mean, any Google search of the name Marcus Stokes is going to it's show the up. story at Florida. So if you're going to do it, I mean, I, I commend him for giving the kid another chance uh, by offering him in the first place. So if you're going to do it, just stick with it. Instead of having to come back and apologize for something, just stick to your guns on that one. Now, I'm sure Quinn Gray got a lot of pressure from within the university, from his bosses, from everything else that he probably had to rescind the offer. But we just, we apologize too much. Just stick with it. Based on his statement, you can tell that he was told to do this. Um, I was trying to help the student get back in competition, and in my haste, I did not consider the impact and decision it would have on all of you. Frankly, it wasn't my place to use ASU as the platform for redemption in this case. I regret that I used flawed judgment. If given the opportunity, I will do better. If given the opportunity. So he's saying this in regards to his position, his job as coach. Um, And here's the four-star recruit now, again, looking to play college football somewhere. Yeah, and uh, the story that I'm – this is from hbcugameday.com website – says that Alabama A&M actually followed up with an offer later in the week after Albany State. As of now, they have not rescinded. This is another HBCU that has offered him. So if that's the case, West, West he still Florida, may have an opportunity. West Florida has also done this. They've, they've offered him. So maybe he gets a chance to, to prove himself and uh, prove himself to his teammates as well. You know, there, there will be a coach that lets him play football next year. Question is where. At this point, I'll be surprised if Devin Hicks is going to Oh, yeah. Or at a Power 5 conference where he's really going. That's not Headlines next, including Hopkins.